Thanks for joining us on the Gen Church podcast of Generations Church. We are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. Right now, we are preparing to celebrate our second birthday as a church. If you've been impacted by our ministry, please send us a note via email to hello at mygenerations.church or consider donating a special gift on our website, mygenerations.church, as a birthday present. Our monthly emphasis is with. It corresponds perfectly with our series, Everyday Jesus. Jesus makes you a new person with a new family on a new mission. So, because of Jesus, we want you to have an everyday faith. It's a way of life, not an event or a scheduled meeting. Everyday faith is the process of learning to follow God in all of life so that you experience everyday family and enjoy everyday mission. If we truly live everyday faith through the power of Jesus, then we will need to be with him. We must realize that he is also with us. When we are with others, he is at work. Be with Jesus. Be with others. He is with us. So I hope that you enjoy today's teaching. We're going to be in Psalm 22, verses 27 through 30. And this is what it says. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the one who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him, and the next generation will be told about the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, today is a, a time of joy and gratitude and just amaze and awe of how you, God, just how great you are. God, it's been a long journey uh, in these just few years and which generations has been here in Vancouver, but God, you are working. And we see that because, God, we are not where we are at by our own effort, by our own ability, by how much we can buckle down and do things. God, no, it is truly because of you and your faithfulness of how you work to advance your kingdom where you are at when people say yes to following Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. God, I pray this morning that as we gather, as we worship, as we glorify you, as we have conversation with each other, that God, we see that you are at work. We see your spirit speaking through each and every person, no matter where they come from, but God, your spirit's alive and present with us. Speak to us. Show us who you are and who you say that we are, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Rapper and philosopher, Busta Rhymes, <laughs> said in an interview about navigating the death of his friend Chris Lighty in the pending uh, release of his album and the delays that was taking place. He said this in an interview, I was going through all kinds of stuff. I had to lose weight. My father had died. I had to learn how to find refuge in people who I wasn't as close with, who didn't mean as much to me as Chris and my father. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking to share. Pain, you go through too. 
you can look at your pain and see your pain in me. Because none of us exempt from suffering. I would have played that clip, if, but I didn't get it to my team in time to bleep out, all, out some of the choice words that were in between those statements. But I think about two years of seeking the vision of being a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to the come. Every year, my sentiment on this day is the same thing. While this single day is exciting, it's only as exciting as a life well lived. And we've been in this series called Everyday Jesus, and today's a capstone of sorts. And if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you can always go back and watch those teachings. But really, I want to sum up what we've been going through in our vision in light of Psalm 22. See, we've been asking people to consider which area of their lives they'd like to grow. Faith, family, and mission. See, in our vision, it says, because of Jesus. See, because of Jesus and the access we have to God through him, Jesus makes us a new person with a new family on a new mission. And, and I, I could have told people what to say in videos. I could, have, I could have scripted some stuff out, but I couldn't have said it any better than the videos have said it, than John said it, than Charles led us through, that people just in conversating with one another have shared and experienced that really at Generations Church, we are your everyday person, which means we have everyday pains and struggles and suffering. We're not pretending to be perfect people who have it all together, who just polish things up for the camera, but actual, actual, we have our stories, we have our background, we have our baggage. Some of us, maybe it's one piece of luggage, and some of us, we got a whole closet full that we've just stuffed away. But the beautiful thing at Generations Church, that what I've experienced and what I even invite you to, is that when you're ready, when the timing's right, that you can pull out that bag or that baggage and allow people to sift through and sort through and share it with others. Because none of us exempt from suffering. And your story matters. And we value who you are and who God has created you to be. That God has gifted you in unique and powerful ways. And when you are able to share your story, what you've gone through, your hurts, your hang-ups, or your habits, as some of us going through CR have, have been talking about, when you're able to share that and be honest with that, you actually point other people to Jesus. Because they don't just see pain in your story. They are able to see God's providence and God's promises. See, in the midst of pain, God's promises are able to show up again and again. Not through what we try to do, not through our own effort, our strength, or our might, but through the patience and the presence of others. We're able to sit with us as we're ready to maybe unpack our baggage, or maybe as we're not quite ready yet. We don't say you don't got to air out your dirty laundry or show me your drawers, but you can just sit on a couch, in a living room, at a coffee shop, a space like this where we're able to just say, when you are ready, we'd love for you to share 
your story. Because as you share your pain and as you share your story, we're able to see that God's providence. And that's what I love so much about Psalm 22. Oftentimes when when I talk about this psalm, it's the, where Generations Church name came from. It's that last couple of verses, John read those for you, is that generations that come will know the name of the Lord. And I just know some of you here, when I think about Psalm 22, we go to those first couple of verses. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? I needed you and you didn't show up. I'm crying out for you, and it doesn't feel like you are near. And some of you today, I'm going to be very honest, you're probably feeling that a little bit, whether here in person or online. You are wondering, where are you, God? But that's not necessarily where I want to focus our time together. See, there's this whole big journey in the middle of that psalm between the initial plea and the promise that comes. The author of this psalm shares about a whole lot of pain. Shares about a whole lot of suffering. And so that's what I actually want to read for you for a moment. See, in Psalm 22, verses 12, it says, Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me. Lions mauling and roaring, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax, melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me, And gangs of evildoers have closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. In the midst of this psalm, the author doesn't pretend like pain's not real, that sufferings doesn't happen. He identifies it with an honest, a transparent, and a direct statement. Names the fear. Doesn't pretend, and it doesn't hoop jump. It doesn't doesn't explain away. What's so, I think, interesting about this psalm is this author doesn't just give a reason for the pain. There's there's no reason, there's, there's no explanation. It doesn't pretend like it doesn't exist. But I think without ever naming the pain we go through, without ever naming the suffering we endure, we never move towards the promise. See, the life of faith is reconciling God's goodness with what we've gone through. And you're not meant to do that alone. You're meant to be able to do that with God, with others. And as you share that story, there are people in your life and in your circles who desperately need to hear what you've gone through. And not that you're doing it on your own, again, or pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, but that you have a plea just like this author that's directed towards God. That you're doing it in a group of others and saying, help me. And you're able to be honest and say there are moments 
when I doubt, there are moments of fear, there are moments when I'm uncertain. But the presence of people and the presence of my God in my pain helps me navigate these uncertain waters. See, even if you haven't gone through something traumatic, I think we can admit that suffering around us can be overwhelming and even suffocating. For some of us, pain calls into question not only God's character, but His existence as well. And this problem of evil and suffering is not a light topic, so I don't intend to make today an exhaustive treatise on that subject. Rather, to call out that since the Enlightenment, we have this insidious belief that everything in our world can be understood through reason and logic, including suffering. But I think we need to challenge those assumptions, that we need to challenge our questions and our cries and understand that the beauty and the goodness of the Christian faith in contrast to all other belief systems in our world is that God didn't stay absent or distance, that we don't have to hoop jump, we don't have to create a magic formula, we don't have to rub the magic lamp three times and we only get three wishes, and as soon as you're done with those three wishes, your time is up. That you don't have to mix the right ingredients to get things to turn out just right. But there was actually a God who loved you so much that says, I hear your cries, I hear your pleas, and I'm going to step out of heaven and step on earth to show you what it's like to be truly human, that you are loved, that you are valuable, and that your story matters so much so that I'm not just willing to watch you endure suffering, but I'm willing to suffer with you and for your sake. And that is the hope of the Christian faith. That is the reality of the Jesus that we put our trust and faith in. That is, that is the call for the church to be activated, to step into other people's lives that say you don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. That your pleas and your prayers can be made known. Now, I want to be honest about this. This can be very scary because some of you have taken that step. You've put yourself out there and you've been hurt. You put yourself out there and things didn't quite add up. Things didn't go quite how you had hoped or you planned or even as a compelling vision that says this is the way the church should be. This is the way the family of God should be. And you wonder, well, where were you, God, in that? Because I trusted you. And yet it seems like the overwhelming pain and circumstances of this life continue to creep in and things don't add up. And some of you are slow to re-engage that because you feel like one wrong step and then the bottom will fall out or the lid will come crashing in and you don't know which. And some of you are moving so fast in your life because if you ever slow down, then you'll actually have to deal with the pain. Some of you are trying to keep the right rhythm. You're looking around at, at people alongside of you and say, well, maybe if I just do what they do. If I do that right formula or, or mix the right ingredients together, if I keep in step, then maybe that'll solve all my problems. 
But it's not the pace of your life that helps you persevere through suffering and pass on the faith. It is always the direction of your plea. God stepped out of heaven in Jesus to bear the weight of our pain. To bear that for us, to bear that with us. To say, while people in your own strength may fail, I never will. And that's what I love about one of the songs that we sung this morning. That God keeps his word. And I know sometimes it's difficult. Because people don't always keep their word. They don't, things don't always line up. But we're able to turn to God again and again. And in the midst of pain, identify praise. God, this is who you are. This is what you have done for me. So I can choose to step into, even if it's a little bit, trust again and again. Because I know some of you are, are nervous to take that step, whether it's into a church or even re-engaging God on a very practical and sincere level because of your pain and your suffering. And the assumption there is that God should step in, that God should do something. And I think it's because inside we believe that God can and he will and he wants to. And he does. And it's not always on our time, but it's on his. And I think that's one of the challenges. We believe usually in an on-time God when he's on our time. But God is always on time. And what's challenging is sometimes we might have to wait three days or 30 days or three years or 30 years. But we're able to wade through the pain and the suffering when we're able to identify the praise. And praise isn't some happy-go-lucky where we forget to lament and grieve. What praise is is rightly identifying God is who he says he is, and he is consistent with who he has revealed himself to be. And so when we see that, we memorialize it, we celebrate that, and we ask God to be true to who he is and who he has always been. We're able to identify that and say, God, this is my experience. This is my suffering. Maybe this is even my plea. God, I need you to be who you say you are, that you are a God of love, that you are a God of purpose, and that you are a God of favor. And so here's my plea for us as Generations Church. As we celebrate our second birthday today, and as we move forward in the church, that we stop trying to dictate the circumstances we find ourselves in and start seeing ourselves as the continuum of faith. And out of our pain, out of our suffering, out of the moments when we feel like we're surrounded and entrapped, whether individually in our own circumstances or in our culture, in our world, that out of our pain, we point to the promise of Jesus again and again, and we look to him for our character and our priorities so that we can practice give over get, that we can practice spirit over self, that we can live out progress over perfection, that we can live out send over stay, that we can live out story over sin. 
because his story, the story that shapes our lives, the story that we talk about, we sing about each and every week, overcomes our sin, overcomes other people's sin, and motivates us and drives us so that we can love and live well again. And when we practice these values in the midst of suffering people, people will see Jesus. And he is the only one that can see us through. See, pain doesn't block the author's resilience in Psalm 22. Death does not offer the same finality for the follower of Jesus. But we can look forward to a future hope. And we can look forward to Jesus returning. See, the author says that there's not just some hope or wishful thinking, but he attributes and points back to Jesus. Because it's Jesus that says, I am the resurrection and the life. Because there was on a day 2,000 years ago that Jesus cried out on that cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's in that moment that God had not forgotten his people, had not forgotten their pain, and he, in fact he remembered them and said, in the midst of this, I'm actually proving my love for you. And those people, yes, they had to wait three dark days. But on the other side of death was life and was victory. On the other side of a grave and a burial was a resurrection. And so I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know the pain that you feel. Maybe it's a little bit, not a lot. Maybe it's something you see in the world and you don't feel it personally. My hope is that you can identify the pain, that you can share that baggage and know that there is a family and a people who want to walk with you through that. Not because we're better because we feel like we've got it all together. But we're able to say time and time again, we do it and we're doing our best because of Jesus. And here's the promise. We don't have to be the savior of the community we, because we're not. There is only one savior. We stand on the shoulders and of a legacy of faith of people who have loved and served before people who have stepped up and ste stepped out to, to serve, to love, to care, there, who, who planted seeds years before generations stepped into the story of the Northwest. There have been people who have labored and even churches that have closed. And we in this moment can be thankful for those churches and those ministries because generations presently and generations to come will know the, the name of the Lord and what he has done, because we stand as the continuum of faith. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, and together in our pain and in our joy and in our celebration, we can bridge the gap by passing on the faith in the midst of pain. And I'm painfully aware that we may never see droves of people and I know some of you even here have wondered, will faithful churches shrink in our day? But the promise we have, it's not the size of the seed that matters. But it's the seed that goes into the ground and dies that results in new life. Because a little bit of faith in the great and powerful God enables us to see that while we labor, that generations to come will know the name of the Lord and what He has done. See, if you're catching with that scripture, 
Someone has asked me, why is Generations logo the mountain? And I wish I had some great story for you for how, how we came to that. And I, I've learned I can spin that a million different ways. But what I'm thankful for is that the faith of a few persevering in the midst of pain because of a great and good Savior, that mountains can be moved. And lives and families and in this community. Because we can hang on to the promise that God would reveal himself. And he fulfilled that promise. He did what he said he was going to do. And so now is the time not to lose heart. Now is not the time to make up spirituality. Now is the time to construct an everyday experience with God, with others, for the world. That is what my hope is as we move forward for Generations Church. That we can continue to pursue being a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family because His family is the best family to be a part of because of Jesus for generations to come. Let me pray. God, you are good, and I'm thankful for who you are and what you have done for us. That in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of where are you, God, you say, whether it's in a whisper, whether it's in a dramatic moment, no, I am here. And you might not have much faith, but even a little faith, I can work with that. And I'm thankful for that hope and for that promise. Thank you for your love and for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.